long time ago in a city far, far away. CITR was born. In the decade ahead, America will be in space. CITR is already there. Astronaut Neil Armstrong had this to say about CITR. That's one small step for man. So vote. CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver. Herbert R. Tarlock, Chairman. Good evening. You're listening to 101.9 FM CITR here in Vancouver, UBC Campus Radio, broadcasting to the Lower Mainland and on 101.9, as I said, and that is also the cable frequency and broadcasting to the world on live streaming audio available at www.citr.ca and through the podcast server, which is apparently hooched um at the moment so if you're listening 
and you're wondering where your podcasts for your other favorite shows on CITR are. Apparently, we're having some podcast difficulties. So hopefully you're listening to this show live because it may not end up on podcast. I'm not sure. And what is this show? The show is Stereoscopic Readout, where we come to you every Thursday night with the psychedelia and garage rock and freak beat and acid punk and folk rock and prog rock that you've come to know and love along with all those other musically and socially relevant artifacts from 1965 to today presented by me darren and today is part two of our look at the vancouver music scene 1964 to 1970 Ish. I should probably change that again because we've just played something from 1971. That was Vancouver's Legendary Seeds of Time. You heard from part of that band earlier last week in part one. Singer Jeff Eddington and guitarist Lindsay Mitchell starting off with William Tell and the Marksman played Mary Jane for you last week. And that was... A side of their one of their 1971 singles that was my hometown, kind of a little bit out of the scope or what I would consider the scope of the show, but certainly something very worth playing because Seeds of Time were all over the place in Vancouver in the 60s. They opened up for the Velvet Underground at the Retinal Circus in '68, one of four local bands to do that. I think Mock Duck. Black Snake Blues Band, and I can't remember who exactly was the other band. Could have been Mayandol Ring. Opened for the Velvet Underground in their first visit to Vancouver, and then it was just Black Snake Blues Band opening for them the second time they came around to the Retinal Circus. They did come a third time later on in the early 70s, but that was in the period after... Pretty much everybody had left, including Sterling Morrison, so it was just Doug Yule fronting the band. But that's another story I'm going to get to another time. Legendary Seeds of Time, obviously a Vancouver band. I'm wondering if they had to start off, if they started off calling themselves the Seeds, although I think Los Angeles's The Seeds had started and garnered a name for themselves by that point, so... They called themselves the Seeds of Time, and I think they eventually had to even change their name to the Legendary Seeds of Time. No, I didn't just say that they were legendary. That was their actual name. Because there was another band from the States called the Seeds of Time, although I'd have to look into where they came from because I read it and I've forgotten where it is that they were from. But uh, kind of, not that it sounds like it, but sort of Vancouver's proto-punk band not that you'd guess it from on the basis of the sound of that song I just played, but uh, certainly they were very garage punk in the 60s. I do have their compilation on CD called Immortal. Uh, it does con- does feature a few tracks that they had written in 67. However, the tracks on the CD have been re- were re-recorded for the CD some point in the 90s. So I didn't really think it was all that appropriate to play them so i figured might as well start off with my hometown because hey we're talking about my hometown well my hometown's really montreal but i gave up on them 20 years ago where am i going with this yes seeds of time 
creating chaos and mayhem in Vancouver in the late 60s. They weren't exactly enamored of the whole hippie movement and made their feelings about that known. They were a rock and roll band. Probably, as I said, Vancouver's proto-punk band, um, kind of in the vein of Iggy and the Stooges, certainly in their outlook on the hippie movement and their standard of dress at the time. Speaking of proto-punk bands, a band uh, probably would have fit in better last week, but of course the mountain of material I was trying to get through last week prevented it. But we're going to kind of hop and skip and jump around like again today like I did last week. And we're going to start off in the year 1966 when a local band was signed to Mercury Records in the States. Some of you may know where I'm already going with this. And I'm talking about the Painted Ship. Um, speaking of podcast servers earlier... It should be still up from May of 2008. I did a. I was very, very honored and fortunate to have frontman Will Hay in the studio with me to talk about the good old days and spin some tracks by new garage rock bands that he likes. But uh, yeah, Painted Ship. This is the A side of their first single, Little White Lies.
Since you listen to CITR, everyone knows you've got excellent taste in music. You've probably got a great record collection too. But think of all the money you've spent on music over the years. You're probably just waiting until your next paycheck to get new albums you want to hear, aren't you? Well, it's time you start getting the discounts you deserve. With the Friends of CITR card, get up to 15% off of Beat Street, Vinyl, Scratch, Red Cat, and Audio Pile Records, as well as 16 other great local businesses. Friends cards are only $15 or free with the CITR station membership. Become a friend of CITR. Go to www.citr.ca and click Friends of for more details. Where you are? 
Back on stereoscopic readout and our look at Vancouver, 1964 to 1970, and that was four tracks by, good God, uh, I think the closest thing to a living legend I've ever met. Um, the Painted Ship, fronted by Mr. William Hay. Uh, Will Hay was the only real sort of uh, common thread throughout the uh, band's career. Uh, went through a number of members as he outlined in the interview I did with him back in May, mainly due to sort of his no-drugs-in-the-band policy. And uh, there were also a few, quite a few uh, artistic differences along the way. I forgot to ask him if he really did fire a member of the band for liking the Beatles, because allegedly Will is not that impressed with the Beatles. You heard Little White Lies and Frustration off the top, the A and B side of the single, which was released in the States on Mercury and on London Records in Canada. And the A side, Will would have preferred to be Frustration. He likes the harder stuff, the edgier stuff, the weirder stuff, and Frustration really fits that bill. But Mercury chickened out. They wanted Little White Lies. They wanted something that 
fit in with that kind of Northwest sound that was big in the charts in 64 through 65. Played the two sides of the Painted Ship second single, and she said, yeah, backed with audience reflections, and those were the last two tracks you heard. Those were only released in Canada after Mercury flat out refused to release them after having requested something a little bit more commercial than the Little White Lies single Will said, up yours, and came out with, and she said, yeah, so there you go. The band did last into the early 70s and became something of a legend after Little White Lies and Frustration were featured on differing volumes of the Pebbles series in the mid to late 70s. Let's see, where are we going? Oh, yes, uh, I should spell out for those of you who may be tuning in about now and sort of having finished your dinner maybe you're doing the dishes um it's been it's been brought to my attention that the show is really good washing up music so maybe you should try that at 7:30 normally we have bleak coming in to do exquisite corpse but he will not be able to make it this week however he has recorded a specific podcast of the show for tonight so it's not a rebroadcast it's an all new broadcast but it will be Bleak's disembodied voice coming at you from beyond the void. And at 9 p.m., Ben is in with... Hey, Ben is in with... Hey, Ben is in... What is Ben in with? Ben is in with... Live from Thunderbird Radio Hell. There we go. And he's on till 11. And that concludes your broadcast day. Uh, so Karen, moving right along, a band which I kind of hinted at in part one, the collectors starting off as a local band, the classics backing Fred Latrimo on his 1966 novelty single, the Latrimotion. They changed their name in later in 66 to the collectors after looking for a, where are we at here? I can't see where it is here. Where we at? New Syndrome. No, that's not it. Collectors. Warner Brothers. There we go. Signing to Warner Brothers. That was kind of the lot in life of many Vancouver bands, um, such as The Painted Ship, who I mentioned, The Collectors, The Tom Northcott Trio, (coughs) Terry Jacks. Because they felt the Toronto really just didn't want to know, and plus there was the added barrier of the Rocky Mountains. I mean, travel. I mean, they'd only just built the Trans Canada Highway in the early '60s, so people hadn't really got their heads around the concept of being able to drive from coast to coast at the time. But certainly, the highway system in the down I five was there. And certainly many Canadian bands took advantage of it. and or I mean, Vancouver bands took advantage of it. And certainly many San Francisco bands also took advantage of it. By 1966, the new phenomenon of FM radio hit Vancouver. And with it, there came a flood of recordings coming out of San Francisco by the Jefferson Airplane. Early albums by the Jefferson Airplane, such as Jefferson Airplane Takes Off. The man, Big Brother and the Holding Company. The Grateful Dead, those early 
San Francisco recording started hitting the airwaves in Vancouver in stereo. And that opened a lot of people's eye or ears to the possibilities beyond the format of the traditional three-minute pop single. Certainly the collectors took advantage of that format. Um, as I, as you heard in, the, in part one last week, they recorded two demos. One was Don't Feel Bad, which was very much a, an R&B-flavored, big band-sounding sort of taste of Vancouver's musical past up to that point. The second track they recorded as a demo was a track called Eyes, which was very much more out there in terms of its lyrical content and in terms of its instrumentation, figuring uh, a flute very prominently, and also in its musical arrangement and melody. It was not like anything that had sort of been recorded by a Vancouver band before up to that point. So uh, where are we at here? The Collectors signed with Warners in the States, and in 1968, they came out with an self with a self-titled debut album, which featured the somewhat legendary track, The What Love Suite, uh, which lasts all of about 19 minutes of taking up the entire side, too. But before that, in 1967, they released a bunch of really good singles, including this one, which hit number one in Toronto, which de facto meant it hit number one in Canada. This is Looking at a Baby. Why is there new music playing?
My name is Natasha. I am a robot now. I am playing with my breast again. Nothing to do, nothing to do. Sometimes I listen to Misery Hour with Hans Close Wednesday at 11 before midnight. I don't think I like it. Last night, I left the bar. I was thirsty. And I don't drink wine. I was desperate. I needed blood. I turned to the only place I could. The only place that could possibly help me. Hello, Canadian Blood Services. Hello. I need some blood. A. Positive or negative, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry, we're all out of A positive and negative. Would you like some O instead? No. No, that won't do. Thank you. Good night. Save me. Save yourself. Give blood. Voluntarily. This message was brought to you courtesy of the Canadian Blood Services and CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Yeah, mm, it's going to be back. Uh, that, uh, well, the cough is mostly gone now, but uh, the voice is sounding a little bit rough. You're listening to Stereoscopic Readout here on 101.9 FM, CITR in Vancouver, UBC Campus Radio, and our look at, or part two of our look at Vancouver, 1964 to 1970. So you heard a set of the collectors there. You heard their first proper single as the collectors looking at a baby which was released in the summer early summer of 1967 backed with the song old man and that was a number one hit for them in ontario in um on toronto radio and a big hit in vancouver as well followed that with the a and b side of one of their later singles uh make it easy backed with fat bird that was that came out around the time of their second album, Grass and Wild Strawberries, because that was a concept album of music that they'd been commissioned to write for uh, to back a George Riga play of the same name, Grass and Wild Strawberries. So that was a non-album single that came out in 19, 1960, possibly 1970, I'm not sure. I think it was 1969, and... The last thing you heard was She, Will of the Wind, the second track from their first album, eponymous album, The Collectors, which came out on Warner's in 1968. Now, I mentioned earlier that the advent of FM radio and the appearance of all these San Francisco bands on it, and in Vancouver, actually, the Jefferson Airplane having played Vancouver in as early as January of 1966. That's a full year and a half before they played New York City or Toronto. And the appearance of the Grateful Dead at the Trips Festival in Vancouver at the Peony Garden Auditorium in July, June or July of 1966, which was their first gig ever outside of San Francisco, also playing with Big Brother and The Holding Company and possibly another band from... San Francisco, but I can't remember. Uh, I'm not entirely certain there was another band from San Francisco on the bill. But in the summer of '66, also we had got a visit from, excuse me, uh, Country Joe and the Fish. 
influences of the San Francisco scene were starting to hit Vancouver quite heavily, and none, no band was in, uh, was affected more directly by this influx of talent from San Francisco than the United Empire Loyalists, who up until early 1966 had basically been a covers band relying on a repertoire of Stones and Kinks covers and Louie Louie by the Kingsmen was their trademark, was their signature cover, as it were. But that all changed in the summer of 66 with the visit of the Grateful Dead and their manager, Jerry Cruz, convincing the dead to stay a week and play two nights at the Retinal Circus when it, or not the Retinal Circus, I'm sorry, the Afterthought, Afterthought when it was still located at the Pender Auditorium on Pender Street, which is basically now vacant after having burned down back in 2001. The next track I'm going to play is the only single, or the A-side of the only single the United Empire Loyalists ever released, and it's cover Willie Cobb's No, 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 You Don't Love Me, and was probably taught to them directly by Jerry Garcia or one of the other members of the Grateful Dead. It was backed by a, an original composition from their bass player, Rick Enns, called Afraid of the Dark. And Rick Enns is a figure you're going to, feat- which has already been featured in part one as bassist of the Tom Northcott trio. Here he's playing bass for the United Empire Loyalists, and we also hear him again before the show's out playing bass for Mock Duck and singing for Mock Duck. But this right now is the United Empire Loyalists.
I'm Shani from Inepsi, you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver.
And we are back with stereoscopic readouts. Look at Vancouver from 1964 to 1970. And that was... Ooh, let me get my notes in order here. That was two tracks by Mock Duck. But off the top, we had two tracks by the United Empire Loyalists. Uh, started with A side of their only released, private release single, No, 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 cover of a Willie Cobb Blues song backed with a song which I actually haven't heard but um, in interviewing the band members, it was a track called Afraid of the Dark, written by their bass player, Rick Enns. Uh, let's see. I think on that recording, well, let's just get to the next recording. Uh, followed that with a live track recorded in 1968 at Zorba's, which is a pizza place on the outskirts of the University of Edmonton campus, and that track was Buffalo Wilkie. And it's a very indicative track of where the United Empire Loyalists went to after they discovered a whole new freedom in music because not just the whole blues-based, you know, soloing kind of oriented single that No 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 was or that a number of other other tracks that they recorded were, but Buffalo Wilkie incorporated a lot of shifting time signatures very much influenced by Stravinsky and his Rites of Spring, which was a big sort of um which the guys were a big fan of big fans of <clears throat> guitar lead guitarist Anton Kolsty and sort of rhythm slash second lead guitar player <clears throat> Jeff Ridley featuring very prominently on that track as well also their drummer I believe in 68 it would have still been Richard Cruikshank but it could have been Glenn Hendrickson at that point Glenn Hendrickson was sort of drafted in to replace Richard Cruikshank. Anyway, followed United Empire Loyalists with a band I don't know much about, but they feature on History of Vancouver Rock and Roll Volume 4 called The Look, and a track released in 1967 called In a Whirl. And that band featured Bob Rowden and Barry Rowden. Bob Rowden on guitar, or sorry, Rob Rowden on guitar and Barry Rowden on drums, both who were originally members of Vancouver's The Painted Ship, who you had heard earlier in this broadcast. The last two tracks of that set were by Mock Duck. That was kind of a, shall we say, collaboration or a meeting of minds between Vancouver's folk singer-songwriter Joe Mock on guitar and Rick Enns, recently out of the United Empire Loyalist at that point on bass, and Ross Barrett on keyboards and on saxophone, which doesn't feature, an instrument which doesn't feature on that track, any of the tracks that you heard there, and Glenn Hendrickson on drums. <clears throat> Glenn Hendrickson and Rick Enns were on sort of a sabbatical from the United Empire Loyalists, starting in about mid, I think later in 1968, because um, Anton Kolsty had received a an offer to go play guitar for the Siegel Schwall Blues Band in the States. However, that didn't pan out, and he ended up going back to UBC to take up musical anthropology. So Hendrickson and Enns moonlighting in Mock Duck at that point. Um, Crook, I mean, sorry, um, Hendrickson would also play drums for the uh, Black Snake Blues Band, at one point, but the United Empire Loyalists would reform as a trio in 1970, and they, they do have a very excellent version of, um, they have a 
sort of an indie home job, self-titled CD release compiling most or if not all of their available recordings. There are two tracks or there are two versions of a uh, song called Looking and Searching. One was recorded live on the CBC television in 1968 and a later really powerful one recorded in the studio as a three-piece, as a power trio, as it were, in 1970. I'm losing my voice here, so I'd have to talk fast. Anyway, who's up next? Oh, yes, another great band that was around at that time, which didn't record at the time, but certainly went on to... What on earth? But did go on to sorry, release all of their compiled studio and live recordings in 2000 was My Indle Ring. And, of course, I've played this on the show many times, and I really don't need an excuse to play it again. So without further ado, this is My Indle Ring and Orange Flow Pedals. I don't want to die.
Mayandel Ring with Orange Flow pedals for you on Stereoscopic Readouts. Look at Vancouver 1964 to 1970, part two tonight here on 101.9 FM CITR. Uh, coming up into the last 15 minutes of the program, I've got quite a bit of ground I actually want to cover, so uh, I'm going to keep the talking short here, but uh, just in case you're tuning in to catch, excuse me, Exquisite Corpse. It will be a new show, but it will also be a podcast tonight. Bleak is not in, but he has prepared an entirely new show for you. So um, fear not. There's fresh things on the menu. And then Ben's in to do Live from Thunderbird Radio Hell at at 9, as he always is. So that was my Indle Ring. Um, band, I actually, when the show started, that I used to get a lot of requests for... And I didn't used to get a whole lot of requests, but usually when it was a request, it was for this band. And this is, I think, the second psych period of um, Vancouver's musical here history. Um, kind of features this band very heavily. Mother Tucker's Yellow Duck had a couple of albums out on EMI Canada. And we're going to be hearing a couple of tracks from that album very soon. But first, I just wanted to... Um, let you all know that at the Biltmore Cabaret on Tuesday, the 3rd of March, Vancouver's, I mean, sorry, Toronto's um, psych-oriented country and Western band, the Sadies, will be playing. If you're not familiar with the Sadies, uh, they're not terribly unlike Beachwood Sparks from California, who were signed to Sub Pop. So Sadie, some good CanCon, some good Canadian country and Western psych quotient CanCon there for you. And Julie Doiron, ex of Eric's Trip, will be opening. Or maybe it's the Sadie's opening for Julie Doiron. It doesn't really say. But anyway, we here at CITR have a pair of tickets available to the first person who calls us at 604-822-2487. That is 604-UBC. CITR to see the Sadies and Julie Doron on Tuesday the 3rd at the Biltmore. Here we go with some Mother Talkers, Yellow Duck. Willow, Willow wept, for he had no other chance. Some men say in Willows lies man's answer to his trance. Green Soft, long, bend for you, finger limbs, back to earth, you hold a stillness, all your own. Our hearts in our minds. 
but we'll pay you to live. But it's all that you've got. Then your truth finds you out and takes you along. Then it shares you a space where green is the key, where you become me. And forever inside is around you.
Fun you're looking for, write it down now. One one four. One ring Jane was served. Babe. Don't you know she's always gay? Some Mother Tucker's Yellow Duck there for you uh, from their debut album released on EMI Records Canada called Homegrown Stuff in 1969. That was uh, Walk Your Head Around, uh, followed by One Ring Jane. And that's pretty much it for the show this week. Um, God, there's there's a couple of bands I actually haven't had a chance to get to, didn't I run out of time? Um, Papa Bear's Medicine Show would have liked to have played some of them. Uh, Long Time Coming would have liked to have played, some, played something by them as well, but it will not happen tonight. Anyway, um, again, I should actually remind you that we are now in varsity sports playoff season, so uh, there may not be a show next Thursday. There may be interruptions to your Thursday night listening. Um, and we probably will not know until last minute. So uh, 
apologies for the inconvenience, but hey, you know, support UBC, support Canadian Varsity Sports, have a listen. Uh, CITR is the only local mm, purveyor of media which uh, which gives live coverage to uh, UBC Sports. So there you go. Um, where else am I going with this? Ah, yes. So, But if there is a show next week, if I'm on the air next week, uh, it will be... Last show of the month, uh, the last show of Black History Month. So I'm going to be doing a Black History Month special for you featuring some a little bit more out there stuff, uh, stuff I don't normally play. But uh, if you're if you're looking for some TP Orchestra Polyrhythmo de Contenu, I've got a whole new source or I've got a whole new uh, whack of that's that stuff for you. Um Basically, for those not in the know, it's West African psych music from the 70s. It's awesome. Probably going to fit in some Funkadelic and some Black Murda and some of uh, Chubby Checker's Lost psych album from 1971 in there for you as well. So tune in next week. You never know what you're going to hear. And I'm also continuing working on the formatted show concept, doing the history of things. I mentioned last week that I'm working on... Los Angeles parts one and two could even run into parts part three as well. But I've uh, rather interestingly discovered that I can do Boston 1965 to 1970 as well. So I think the first show of March will probably be Boston 65 to 70. So tune in for that. Um, I'm pretty sure that show is not going to be preempted by sports, but Next week, Black History Month, if we're on, and first show of March will be Boston, 65 to 70. So that's pretty much it for me tonight, uh, part two of Vancouver, 64 through 70. Hope you enjoyed it, and I'm going to take off with a band that I cannot ignore. They were big news in 69 through the early 70s, and I'm talking about spring. This is It's a New Day, and I will see you next week.
Music Waste 2009 is now accepting submissions. This year's festival runs June.